Yeah, so uh, we're going to continue our, our theme on ordinary people that have an extraordinary God. And when Pastor Josh started this um, series, I was so excited because I, I just remember what happened when I, when I gave my life to Christ newly, not too long, and I went back for my master's. And I, I, I just become a very, I was a young Christian, and I gave my life to Christ after university. While I was in university, I didn't go to church. <laughs> I, my parents were very, very good Baptists, and when I got to university, well, church, no more for me. And, you know, I was doing something else. And so when I gave my life to Christ and I went back to university, I, I was told to lead the prayer team for the fellowship. And I was like, what? I don't know how to pray. What will I do? You know, I was, I was dumbfounded, you know, and I remember when one of the guys took me for, an, for my first all-night prayer meeting. I, at around 2 a.m., I almost fainted because he kept on going as if nothing had happened. And I was like, is this guy a machine or something? You know, and by 2 a.m., I was tired, you know. But one thing I learned from the whole thing is that God looks at the heart, God is not concerned with your ability. He doesn't need your ability. In fact, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. And that's why Paul was saying that I, 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 I rejoice because I am weak. Because when I am weak, then God is strong. And let me just say this. For people who are strong, uh, you, you need help. You need help. If, I, if you're a very strong person, if you have a strong personality and you're strong in yourself, you need lots of help in the kingdom of God. God will have to, first of all, break you down, put you together, and begin to use you. For those of us who are weak from day one, it was quite easy. He just put us together because we're already broken, and he kept on using us. So God loves ordinary people because it shows that he's an extraordinary God. How can God show himself strong <clears throat> if we are able to use our ability to serve him. We can't. We need the grace of God. So then Pastor Joel started with the, with the story of David, a very broken man who had so many faults, but God still used him. And last week, he spoke about Ruth, who was, a, who was from Moab, and God grafted her into the lineage of Christ. And she was used of God, even though she was from Moab. And today, uh, I'm going to attempt to do what he's been doing, trying to put some pictures and hoping that you guys will be able to guess or guess who the person is. So the first picture, and, oh, I'm supposed to use this, interesting. I never knew. <laughs> okay. Hooray. Uh, wrong, wrong way. Okay, cool. So that's Naaman. I'm sure some of you already know the story or who the person is. Now, that's from, so don't mind then Gizmo and Chris and Joy. That's from Superbook. I watched a lot of Superbook. Yeah, so they're not in the real story, actually. So that's Naaman, and, and that's Elisha. I don't know whether I was bald, but uh, that's the picture I got. And that's the king of Syria. So who do we think we're talking about? Yes, the servant girl, the nameless servant girl. For the Bible doesn't even give her a name. 
she was not named in the Bible. Okay, so that's who we'll be talking about today, the servant girl. And yeah, most people would think that these are the kind of people that God wants to use. You know, strong, powerful people, rulers, a mighty prophets, a king, you know, people who are eloquent, people who can talk, people who are educated, who have got financial power, you know, you will think that these will be the candidates, you know, that God will choose from to use to do what he has got to do. But in this story, we see something quite different. We see God using someone who was unnamed, a girl and a servant living somewhere else. And, and according to First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And that's how God works. God uses things that you will not expect to do great and mighty things in his kingdom. And that's why Paul says, I am happy that I'm weak, because when I'm weak, then God is strong. And this girl was certainly a very, very weak person, an unnamed person, had no reputation, but God still used her to do what he wanted to do. Okay? So that's a girl from Superbook. I don't really know how she looks in real life, because I was not there. <laughs> okay? So we'll just read in Second Kings and chapter 5 from verses 1 to 15. And if you can see and see this, if you can read with me, that would be fantastic, okay? So now Naaman was commander of the army of Aram, which is Syria. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he could cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you, can, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? What does this fellow send, why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. Interesting. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his, his robes, he sent him this message, Why have you torn your, your robes? Have the, man, have the man come to me and he will, he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. 
wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Paphra, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. Yeah, so that's the story of, that's the story of, of, of how Naaman was cured <coughs> of his leprosy. And we'll be talking about the servant girl who God used, who is an unlikely heroine, unnamed, unknown. Now, let's look at some points about the life of this, of this girl. She was a servant. And in those days, and even now, servants were not to be heard. In some cases, not to be seen let alone give anyone advice. But this girl was able to do so, even in those times. She was a girl in a culture and time that placed women and girls as inferior to men and boys. In that culture, women were seen as, as just, you know, as a lower, on the, on, the, on the lower pedestal to men and women in that culture, and even in some cultures today. But she spoke out. She was being held captive by the people of an enemy nation. And there was every reason for this girl to be resentful, to be angry, to hate those people who are keeping her captive. There was no reason for her to speak out or give any form of advice or help to Naaman's, or to Naaman through his wife. But she still decided to speak out. And she was living in another land and in another culture. She was alone. She had left her family. She had no loved one around her. But she still spoke out in the midst of that situation. Now, in spite of all this, the servant girl, she believed in God in this strange land. She hadn't forgotten about her God because she was in captivity, but still continued her faith in God. And let's read... Daniel chapter 1, which gives a parallel example of some people who are taken to captivity. Daniel was taken to, in, into captivity when he was a young boy. You know, and Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 says, But Daniel proposed in his heart that he will not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And I begin to ask myself, we are living... This is not our home. This world is not our home. We are here as strangers. We are here as sojourners on this side of eternity. And the question is, when we go out of church, from Monday to Saturday, after hearing the word of God, after receiving these messages that we receive every Sunday, do we forget who we are out there? Do we forget that we are ambassadors of a kingdom? 
that is not of this world. And who is an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative. An ambassador stands for the king of another kingdom. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but, to be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When we leave church, or when we leave our houses, when we go to the office, we go out, we go to the shops, we go to school, do we forget who we are? Do we forget that we represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? This girl did not forget who she was. She had every reason to forget. She had every reason to deny, to deny the God of Israel. But she still kept on serving that God of Israel in a strange land. Same thing with Daniel. Same thing with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And these three boys said, well, say, we, we, will not, we, are, we will not obey you, O king. And they were happy to be thrown into the fairy furnace rather than to bow down before a king that was not their king. Do we go out there and bow to the altar of mammon, to the altar of fame, to the altar of money, to the altar of trying to conform to this world? Or do we remain true to who we are as Christians? We are living in a time where Christians are becoming the minority. Things are becoming darker. And God will expect us to stand for him. And his grace is there. The grace of God is sufficient and enough for us to stand for him. It doesn't mean we'll become recluses or we'll become monks, you know, staying in one cave. Sorry, no. It doesn't mean that. We will be in this world, but the Lord expects us not to conform to the pattern of this world. And that's what this girl did. She stood her ground even in a strange land, for the God that she believed in. She even knew about the main prophet in the land and knew that God could heal many diseases. And if, if, if you look at John chapter 14, it says, in verse 25, it says, These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. That's Jesus Christ talking. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I'm sure when she was at home before she was taken captive into, into Syria, she must have been taught about the things of God, about the way of God. She must have been taught about what it means to be a follower of Jehovah. And she didn't forget. A little girl, she even knew who the main prophet was in the land, and she knew that God could heal any disease. She knew and she believed. And the question is, there's so much knowledge in the church. We know so much. But when we go out there, do we just keep it aside or do we actually believe what we have heard and tell other people whenever the opportunity presents itself to us? That's what God has called us to. He says, he say, he say, we, we are the salt of the earth. And one thing about salt is that salt, you know, you could just put a little pinch of salt into your soup or into your stew, and it would totally change the taste. I like food anyway, so that's what I'm talking about, salt. It would totally change the taste of that food. You don't really need to do much. Just a little pinch of salt changes the entire taste of food. But if you are salt and you are not being... And, and the salt is just left on the shelf. 
it becomes bad. God has called us to be salt of the earth. You may not be called to, to, to do anything. This girl did not do anything much. She just gave little advice. God may not call you to stand on the streets like some people do or to preach in a big crusade you know, or to preach somewhere else or to do some great miracles. It may just be a word of advice. It may just be a smile. I remember I went to a place and, I, and there was a program that was being run, a Christian program that was being run in that place, and I was one of the ushers. And a guy came in, and when he came in, you know, I, I hugged him. I'm a hugger. I like hugging. I like hugging people and everything. I just hug, you know. You know, and I hugged him, and he went in. And after the whole program, he came back, and when the altar call went out, he gave his life to Christ. And somebody asked him, that why did you give your life to Christ? He said, well, it's not because of what that guy was saying in front of the church. It was because somebody hugged me and said, I love you. And nobody has ever said, I love you to me. That's what touched him. Nothing else. He didn't really listen to what the preacher was saying. He couldn't remember anything the preacher said. But he could remember that somebody said, I love you. And that somebody hugged him. As little as that was enough to bring him to Christ. So God does not require much of us. But just to do what he has called us to do. She was bold. You can imagine, you know, the fear that she had walking up to her master's wife and telling him, telling her that the, there's a prophet in the land that you people normally read who are your enemies, who can heal you. You, you. you can imagine what must have gone through her mind, the fear. You know, she, she, she may have gone around and second-guessed herself many times, you know, tried to rehearse what she would say, how she would say it. You know, to summon up courage. But she went. She was bold. And she was willing to speak out. And Paul was speaking to his young convert in Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. He says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Timothy was a young pastor. was a young convert, and Paul was like a mentor or a father to him. So you could have imagined how Timothy must have felt standing before the congregation there, you know, probably the youngest person there, talking to people who are older than him, you know. So he must have felt that fear. So Paul had to encourage him that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. The Bible says that perfect love casts out every fear. Perfect love casts out every fear. So this girl was bold. She was bold to do what God had told her to do. And I believe that God is telling you to do something today. It may not be to speak out boldly. It may be to pray for someone. It may be to smile at someone. It may be to say something to somebody or give somebody some advice or to give a leaflet to someone or to invite them to church or to do something. No matter how small, God understands that we, we all have different temperaments. Some people are introverts. Some people are extroverts, like big mouths like me. Some people are much more quiet. God uses every single person. You know, the, the guy who started healing on the streets, one of the ministers that we're going to in church, He's a super introvert. He doesn't, he doesn't talk to anyone. And God decided to 
make him an evangelist. How nice of all things to do. Why not a prayer? Why not somebody praying behind? And there was a time that he was in a plane and there was someone next to him that God told him to speak to. Well, he refused. He had to tell somebody else to speak to the person, you know, to get his message across. But God is merciful. God still used that same methodology. So no matter what kind of personality you have or what kind of person you are, God can use you. God can use you. Even as he did use this little girl. And, and, and this is the point that really, that really touches me the most. Because the Bible says that love is the greatest. You may be able to preach the whole Bible, quote scriptures, and you may be powerful in speech, you may have all knowledge, you may have all wisdom. But if you don't have love, the Bible says you have nothing. Love is everything. She loved her enemies. She was forcefully taken from her homeland as a servant, taken away from her family. But she still loved her enemies enough to tell them that there was healing in Israel. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 says, You have heard that this was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not even the tax collectors doing that. And I ask myself, if I love Vera, what have I done? That is what I should be doing anyway. If I love David, if I love Deborah, if I love uh, Daniel, what have I done? If I love you people, I've not done anything spectacular. Even people who are not Christians, they love their family, they love their wives, they love their children, they love their friends. So what have you done that is different from what they are doing? And why do you expect them to want to serve your God? Because you guys are doing the same thing. They're loving their families, you're loving your own families, so what's the, what's the big deal? Why should I change camp? I'm still on the same winning team. There's no point. But the Bible says that if you greet only those, if you greet only your own people, what, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. People think that perfection means that you, you will live a totally sinless life, you will not see anything stupid, you will not do anything bad. Perfection is to love. Love perfects us. Because when you love someone, you fulfill the law. You wouldn't steal what belongs to them, you wouldn't covet what belongs to them, you wouldn't do anything to harm them because you love them. That's why love covers. Love fulfills the law. And that's why Jesus Christ summarized the entire law into two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your might and love your neighbor as yourself. And the motto of this church is love God and love people. It's all about love. If you love some, if, 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 if this world, if we all loved each other, 
this will be heaven and earth. But it starts from the church. The world is looking for people who love. They, they, they are watching. They want to see the display of God's love. There is, there, is there is a drought of love in this world. And I'm not saying convoluted love. I'm saying real agape, unconditional love in this world. That's why we have wars in different nations. God, there's no love. That's why we have got domestic violence in homes. God, there's no love. That's why we have people trying to cheat other people, people trying to step on people's heads to get to a position in the office. God, there's no love. There's a drought of love, even in the church. God called us into a love relationship. No Jew, no Gentile. We are all one in him. If the church loved themselves, the world will notice and they will want to come in. These doors will not be able to contain the people coming into this church and to all churches. We'll probably have to rent the sports, sports center. We'll get there one day in Jesus' name. Say amen to that. Yeah. So there's a drought of love in the world. And God is calling you and I to love, even as this servant girl loved, even as Jesus Christ loved. So, I'm asking, you may be asking, what can I do? And you have all the normal excuses that normally come. What can I do? Who am I? And you say, well, after all, I don't have an education, so I can't say anything. I'm not a wealthy person, so I can't give. You know, or I'm not a prophet, so I'm not bold enough to go and speak. Or I don't know much, much of the Bible. I'm sure this girl didn't know much of the word of God, but God still used her. Or I don't pray that long. Or I can't speak in public. Or I'm not an, or I'm not an evangelist. And there's so many excuses that we can bring. But if God can use this unnamed servant girl to bring about a great miracle, then God can use you. God can use everyone. You have something. You have something to offer this world. Where it says, it says the entire creation is groaning in birth pangs for the manifestation of the sons of God. The whole creation, the world is waiting for you and I to do something. And I was telling someone that if, you know, ministering in the church is like shining a touch light during the daytime, you know, because it's, it's, it's all light over here. So what's the point shining a touch light over here? You know, you're, you're much more relevant beyond those doors where it is dark, where your little light, you know, has an effect. And there's this song that says, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it on the bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. Can I guess I have children? Hide it on the bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it on the bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. So let's pray. 
I don't know if you're here and, and somebody gave a word that there's someone who needs to, to repent. God loves everyone. God loves everyone. And the fact that you're here and you don't yet uh, know him personally is a wonderful opportunity for you to come into a love relationship with the greatest lover I have ever met. Nobody loves like Jesus. He's awesome. He doesn't judge. God doesn't judge you. He says, come as you are. Come as you are. Come as you are. Don't change a thing. His love for you will never die. Come as you are. Don't change a thing. His love for you will never die. He said you come as you are. If you're here, Oh, you've been coming here for a long time. You say, well, I, I think God, well, today I think it's time for me to, to just surrender to you. And I've known you as a good person. I've known you as a wonderful person. But I want to know you as my Savior and as my Lord. If you're here, you can listen. While all eyes are, eyes are closed and the cameras are away, you can just put up your hands or put your hands on your chest so we could pray. Even those on those on, on TV also, I mean on watching over over the internet. And if Lord, we just want to pray for those who may have taken this decision. And ask that, Father Almighty God, you welcome them into your kingdom. And that, Lord Almighty, that their work with you will not remain the same. And that, Lord Almighty God, you will carry them on wings of eagles. You, you will wrap them around with your love. You will walk with them, Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. And this, this second prayer, and the last prayer is for... for for all of us. I believe that God is, God is calling us to do something. And one thing I've, one thing I've, I've come to understand is that the, the church doesn't consist of the guys who are doing stuff and the guys who are not doing stuff. That's not how the church operates. Or in some places, the, the clergy and the pew. No. Everyone is a minister in the house of God. Everyone is called to do something. It may not be inside a church building, but God is calling us to do something. There are people out there, there are, there are groups of people, you know, and I, I tell people that the, your, your, your experiences in life, your friends will determine, especially your friends who are not Christians, will determine what God is calling you to do. God is calling us, all of us, to reach out to someone or to a group of people. It may just be one person. 
There's a story of how and Billy Graham gave his life to Christ, and there was a guy called Mordecai Ham who was preaching, and a little boy gave his life to Christ at that crusade. And that little boy, just one little boy, became one of the greatest evangelists the world has ever seen. God may be calling you to just one person, just one person, one person, as he did with this unnamed servant girl who had nothing. Even the thief on the cross was an evangelist. He was an evangelist. So I want us to, if, you, if you're here and you're saying, God, I need you to use me. I want you to use me. Can you just put your hands on your chest? Say, God, I want you to use me. I want you to use me. I don't know, I don't really know what you're calling me to do now, but I believe that, Father Almighty, you have got something for me to do. And I'm asking that, Lord Almighty, you reveal that thing to me. So, Lord, I just want to pray for all of us here and those of us watching online, <clears throat> that Father Almighty God, you will, you will reveal your plans and your purpose for us. You will reveal the assignment that you have called us into. The Bible says that when Christ was leaving the earth, it says, the Bible says he gave gifts unto all of them. He gave gifts unto all of us. We all have something that we have grace to do for God. We shouldn't be like the guy who got and one talent and hid it. I said, well, my master is a very, very wicked person. How could he give me one talent when he was giving some guys five? You know, very wicked guy. And therefore, I'll do nothing and I'll give it back to him. Even that one, one talent that God has given, that one grace, that one thing that you have, may just be a smile or a word of advice or to pray or whatever it is. Or to sketch or to draw some. Some people are, some people are very artistic. Just to some, draw something that just place it somewhere and people look at it and they are, they are touched by it. Whatever it is. That, Father, that, that one talent that you have given me, Lord Jesus, you will help me to use it. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. And could the band, could they come back and, and sing one song? And yeah. Yeah, anyone. Yeah, something that has to do with and Yeah, there's a song that you, you guys sang yeah, just sing it. Sing any song. I can't remember the song. Just any song. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I forgot. I, I remember now. That's the song. Yeah. Okay, sing it. Then we'll just sing it once. Then we'll we'll, we'll pray and round up. Okay. Can we all stand up, please, and sing the song together? I I I just have a strong. I just have a strong. When the song was being sung the first time, I have a strong urge that there are people who have things that God needs to help them with. 
So I want us to sing that song one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want you to just and talk to God right now and ask him that, Lord, if there's anything you need the Lord to help you with. If it's a sickness in your body or a breakthrough you're asking God for or a stronghold that's held you captive a habit, ask that the Lord, the Lord is here. I feel his presence in this place to break every stronghold. Talk to him yourself as your father. Ask him to break every stronghold. Call the name of Jesus over that situation right now. You can't come here with that burden and go back the same. As we're praying downstairs, I, I heard a lot saying that there are people who have got burdens and that the burden lifter is here to lift up those burdens from you. Whatever the burden is, it could be a burden for a family member, for a friend, for a situation, that the Lord will lift them up right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for lifting up bodies. Thank you because you're a burden lifter. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, because there's nothing impossible with you. With you, all things are possible. You are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us. You're the mighty man in battle. You're the awesome God. You're our helper, Lord Jesus. We just want to thank you for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you, Lord, for every single body that has been presented before you today. Every situation, things that may seem intractable, things that may seem impossible. But for the Almighty God, that is your preserve. You walk in the area of impossibilities. That is your specialty, Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father Almighty, we bring you into every impossible situation. Everything that we may, seem, we may think is impossible. But God, you're not man. You're God. And with you, all things are possible. So, Father Almighty, we bring them before you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Father Almighty God, you do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ever think or expect in accordance with the power that is at work within us. Thank you, Jesus for what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.